0: This is episode number five of the Greenlight Real Estate Podcast.
1: Welcome to the Greenlight Real Estate Podcast, the go-getter's guide to real estate investing and financial freedom. Here are your hosts, Naeem Smith and Mike Collins. Hey, Mike, what's going on, man? Doing great, Naeem.
0: Excited to uh, share this show with the audience and you know, kind of share the books that really got us going in this.
1: Yeah, for sure. So today we just kind of have a different show style and we're just going to talk in depth about our favorite books and we're going to talk about the categories of mindset and real estate specifically. And uh, we're going to also talk about some of the biggest takeaways from the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad.
0: Yeah. And uh, before we get into the show, please make sure you guys rate, review, subscribe and share our podcast. Uh, and be honest with your ratings, you know, and if you know us personally, let us know, reach out to us, tell us what you don't do or don't like, and you know where we can improve. Um also, if you're inspired or positively impacted by this episode, please share it with friends and family uh, who you're close to. The show is meant to uh, you know wake people up and show them that there's a lot more out there than uh, than we're taught. so. Anyways, let's get into the show. Um, Oh, well, before we get into the show, uh, we're looking for audience members to submit questions for us to answer on the next show of our podcast. This can be any question that you want answered. Feel free to reach out to us at greenlightrealestate100 at gmail.com or you can reach out to Naeem and I personally if you know
1: us as well. Yeah, so what kind of got us interested into this is that someone actually reached out to us. So today's question came from Colby in Iowa City, Iowa, and he asked us, for a beginner, where do you start when it comes to investing and what's a good amount of money to put into your first investment? And, you know, just first off, we're really grateful that he asked this question. And, uh, you know, we're just both excited to kind of give our thoughts on this on the show today. We both believe that it's important to get educated Whatever type of investing you want to do, whether that's stocks, real estate, uh, the, you know, there's different paths that you can choose. And no matter what, first off, it's about getting educated. So that could be reading books, um, you know, going to maybe different seminars or trying to network with people that are already in the industry. That is the first step. And I'll, I'll let you go, Mike, and talk about what you think.
0: You don't. You don't want to just jump into it. And put money on the line when you don't know what you're doing. So it's really important to get an idea of what you're doing. Um, you know, Read as many books as you can. Listen to podcasts. Really go at it for like six months to a year and save up some money in that time. You'll learn more by taking action than you will by reading a book at that point. So that's when you get to that point, that's when you need to jump.
1: Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. I think the biggest thing is just taking that leap of faith and having trust in yourself. You're not you're not gonna know everything at some point, but you know it's just really important to uh, know that r- regardless of whatever you want to go after, you can do it. And you just with your first investments, I think that you got to be comfortable with putting out an amount that you're okay with losing. Um, that's something that can be very important because since it is your first investment, you don't want to go all in because you're a newbie and you're still learning the system.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's why house hacking is such a good first investment because you get to learn the ropes of being a landlord and you're living in the house, you're not paying rent. Um, but at the same time you're not putting up that much money. Um, you know it's a lot better to put only three to five percent down and you know, mess that up than it is to put 20% down and really now you're digging yourself a big hole so you don't want to do that
1: yeah that's awesome so you know, just shout out to Colby for asking that, us that question and we look forward to hearing from other uh, audience members that might be listening in just send us your questions and we'll make sure to answer them on the show anyway let's get on with the show today and we'll make sure to also add the links to all the books in the show notes, so you guys can have easy access to maybe purchasing these books or just looking more more in depth in them. So we're gonna talk about first uh, "Rich Dad Poor Dad" by Robert Kiyosaki, as some might say, is the Holy Grail, and uh,
0: of real estate investing, it is.
1: Yeah, it, it it definitely is the Holy Grail for real estate investing and just the mindset of a investor.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, when I aim at, we always say this, but it's kind of like, that's the book that got me and you out of the matrix, you know, quote unquote. But I think it's just, it's just such an eye opening book. So yeah, let's just jump into it. Um, so we'll talk about rule number one, the rich do not work for money. Basically what he's saying here is that they put their cash to work and every dollar is an employee for them. So if they put it to work, in real estate and you're able to get a 20% return in real estate, that dollar is bringing you back 20% more than you put it in for. So that's really the gist of it. And just like getting assets that pay you in cash flow.
1: Yeah. And that's something that's so, so important for people to understand. And this will kind of key into rule number two is that and rich, they put their money in actual assets because there's a misconception a lot of times in what a true asset or liability is. So, um, with rule number two, it states that you should buy assets and not liabilities. So, somebody might be asking, what is an asset and what is a liability? An asset is as simple as something that puts money into your pockets, and a liability is something that takes money out of your pocket. And uh, in the book, he really talks about that the middle class struggles with this and that there's a misconception. So for example, uh, middle class often oftentimes thinks that the personal home uh, can, be, can be an asset or a car is an asset, but really those are both liabilities when you read in depth into the book because they're not technically putting money into your pocket, they're really just taking away money that you could actually invest into assets.
0: Yeah. And the bank might see them as assets on your balance sheet for getting loans and things. But really, everybody knows, as soon as you get a new car, you drive it off the lot, it drops like 10 grand in value right there. I mean, since reading that book and a couple other like finance, personal finance money books, I've seen like, I don't know about you, Nain, but I've seen like expensive cars differently. Like I used to be kind of impressed by them, but now I see it like... That guy is a hundred thousand dollars poorer because of that car. And it just kind of changes your perspective to realize that you know that's a fake asset and it's taking money out of your pocket. So basically, the thing is you want things that put money into your pocket instead of spending money on things that take money out of your pocket.
1: Yeah, and just to add to that, that's kind of the idea of the rat race is that especially with middle class, when you start earning more from maybe getting promotions and stuff, you get that extra income. And your, so your income will go up, but also your expenses will go up. And that's kind of called lifestyle creep when you allow that to happen. So that's something that you got to be able to fight. And especially if you can do it when you're young, you're going to set yourself up for success with delayed gratification later on into life. So you want to talk about the third rule?
0: Yeah, but before I get into that, like I always heard like the whole thing about your personal home not being an asset. It kind of confused me, especially because you hear that for so long growing up. But then, you know, it took me a couple of times. I had to reread it once or twice um, to get it. But basically, like, yeah, you can still make money off your house, you know, um, because you get the appreciation. Say it appreciates 100, 000, 150, 200,000, like the re- really hot real estate market in a lot of the markets in the country right now. people are seeing that. but that's not guaranteed. You know that's just icing on the cake. Um, so that's, that's what they call it in real estate. It's just the icing on the cake because in real estate investing, you can't control that. So it's really just focusing on the cash flow and bringing the cash in. And if you get extra appreciation, great, but the deal should work without that appreciation.
1: Yeah, and I guess I just kind of want to add to that again is that when you have a personal home, you're also paying taxes and you have so much that expenses with that home that not necessarily you're actually going to make money off that. And that's the power of house hacking because that is the best way if you want to try to limit your expenses. Yeah. Um, so that, that's just something that can be very powerful. And yeah.
0: Yeah, so let's jump into the third rule. Reduce taxes through corporations. Uh, and this is where your team comes into play. One of the most valuable members is your lawyer because and your CPA because they will be able to help you protect your assets by certain setting up certain entities and avoiding taxes and different things like that through tax write-offs, different tax rules. Naeem, you were telling me the other day on, what was it, the CPA podcast you listened to, mm-hmm. that the U.S. tax code is 6,000
1: pages long. And what was it? Yeah, so... The U.S. tax law total pages page number is around 6,000 pages, but the tax law on how you get taxed is only 30 pages long. So, long story short, the U.S. is trying to incentivize you in so many different ways to not pay taxes, and... A lot of people see taxes as such a bad thing, like it's a negative and, you know, oh, they're just trying to take my money. But really, uh, the, the biggest takeaway is that people that pay taxes are ultimately lazy because they don't use the system to their advantage. There's so many different loopholes and different tax laws that can allow you to uh, be able to build up your wealth. And taxes are a very important thing. Uh, Very important piece if you want to become wealthy. And that's why the rich they don't pay taxes. And that's another takeaway that you'll get from reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad.
0: Yeah, I mean and just looking at real estate, you know, the big ones obviously the 1031 Tax Exchange, which is difficult to do, um, because it's only like a set number of days that sell your property and then buy another property and you have to have that lined up beforehand, but a ton of people do it. And then you also have the depreciation of real estate, and that's huge because you're able to write off How much your property depreciates over like 27 and a half years, which, you know, it sounds like a long time, but it's a lot of money that Mm -hmm. you're able to save, um, especially on investment properties. And I mean, there's all types of write-offs you can do because you're running a business. So it's like, how much is your property management fee? Mm -hmm. If If you manage it yourself, you know, your gas expenses to go there, the maintenance fees, different things like that, you can write them all off. So that's another benefit just in there.
1: Yeah, and uh, something that Mike and I both want to do—we really want to try to get like some CPAs and tax attorneys just on this podcast because they can talk specifically about different corporations that they've helped people set and up. Lawyers, yeah. And yeah, and law- lawyers and you know just because they have that expertise and that's something that's really important uh, aspect of real estate because at the end of the day, you got to be able to protect your assets and you know limit yourself with all your liabilities and different things like that. So I think that kind of wraps up rule number three and transitioning into rule number four. This is, a, I think, a really important one is that you have to overcome your mental obstacles. And you know what? Everyone has them. And uh, a lot of people, you know, they face self-doubt, fear, laziness, guilt, and uh, guilt for feeling greedy. Um, and that's something that they talk about uh Robert Kiyosaki talks about in Rich Dad Poor Dad is that you have to get over that mental obstacle of feeling guilt for greed because ultimately we do live in a capitalistic society and there's always going to be winners and losers at the end of the day. There's
0: always going to be someone that's got more you know they have a bigger house or a bigger a better car or something like that but really who cares you know.
1: Yeah and and at the end of the day it's about you trying to get over that think the the voice in your head that uh, ego. That, the ego yeah. and that you' that you, you got to be able to block that out and know that you know you're prepared as an investor and that you know you're meant to do this and that you can do great things and no you, matter what
0: and you're committed to doing it I love what uh, Mike Eklund said in our last episode about uh, Warren Buffett you know when everybody's mm-hmm. excited that's when you got to be scared when everybody's mm-hmm. scared that's when you got to be excited because that's when the money's made or lost um that that really stuck home with me but then i think that's this plays into a lot of like you know everybody says oh investment has high risk i think really after learning about all this stuff and seeing the possibilities that come with it and just where it can put you the only risk is just not going for it Mm -hmm. if you do nothing you're guaranteed to stay where you are but if you go for it then you have a chance
1: yeah and to add to that like at the end of the day, it's all about educating yourself over whatever topic you want to get into. And so, you know, like going with the example with Mike Ecklin, they're getting like 18 to 20 percent returns on certain things where people see it as really risky. But they've done all that groundwork to realize like it's actually not that risky. So yeah. it's just being able to find different trends and uh, being able to, you know, just better, better yourself and better the people around you.
0: Yeah, so let's jump into rule five, uh, which is always developing financial intelligence. He always talks about the importance of learning. You know, I mean, you got to be growing and learning every day. Um, just like money compounds when you invest it w- wisely, your knowledge will compound and the returns will just continue to multiply by that. Um, and he talks about how failure is not bad. I mean, school teaches us, it ingrains it in our head. Failure is bad. You know, we fail a test, that's, that's bad. But really, in like, Every other aspect of life, if you fail, it's the only way you're going to learn. I mean, you're not going to just learn by just sitting on the sidelines doing nothing. You've got to get in the game and, you know, figure things out. I mean, it's inevitable. When we get into this, we're going to make mistakes, you know, and we're going to learn and we're going to fail in some way, shape or form. But, you know, whether or not we do, what are we going to do on the next one? How are we going to avoid that mistake again? And just using that knowledge to keep going.
1: Yeah, uh, I think that's really powerful is the aspect of failure just because, like you said, we're going to do it at some point, but it's how we respond to that failure. And it's ultimately going to make us more wealthy someday, not only in knowledge, but also in our pockets. And just something that's really uh, important for people to understand is that just learning and always being eager to learn because you can never know too much and that was something that i wanted to uh talk about uh the last time when i was talking about you know you can you can read like 10 pages a day and you say if you take that times 365 you know that's what 3650 pages which divide that by 20 that's about 18 books a year that you can read and now granted i think you should reread a lot of books that you read but just think about how much Material and different things like that that you can put in your in your brain, and I mean it's not always about just reading necessarily, but you know it's about networking, going to seminars and different learning opportunities so that's that's just really important
0: yeah, and I just want to bring up the reason we're bringing this book on uh, and talking about this and making such a big deal about it is that you know we've listened to I've listened to hundreds of real estate podcast episodes maybe approaching thousands. what about you?
1: Oh yeah, easily. Easily listen over a thousand and try to get varied into who I'm actually yeah. listening to and to what get.
0: strategies and mm-hmm. everything, right?
1: And in nearly
0: every single one, they talk about this book mm-hmm. because it just changes how you see things. And this is the catalyst for them to get into real estate investing. I mean, you look at like Brandon Turner for those of you who don't know what Bigger Pockets is, it's this massive social networking website for real estate investors. They also have a podcast. One of the hosts of the podcast, name is Brandon Turner, super successful guy. He's got thousands of units, maybe a thousand units, maybe more. I don't know, but it doesn't matter really. Who cares at that yeah. point? Uh, anyways, <laughs> for real, he lives on. He lives in Hawaii, and he works a couple hours a week running a company that invests in commercial real estate, and he crushes it. And he was just like, as soon as I read this book, it was I, I was like, oh my gosh, I got it, and hearing his story and just about it and after i read the book myself i experienced the same thing you know a lot of people that i know that have talked have read this book say the same thing so it's really it's such a good book and if you haven't read it you got to check it out
1: and not only does he live in hawaii he lives in a house hack in hawaii that's (laughs) incredible i forgot about that yeah so i mean this guy is a guy is a multi multi multi-millionaire and he's still finding ways to buy more assets you know like that's something that's just really incredible
0: yeah, he's still refusing to pay his own mortgage. Yeah,
1: and I I respect that. And so this kind of puts us into our last rule for the book, uh, rule number six, and it's how do you get started? And this one kind of encompasses a different uh, different kind of topics that you know are different ways that you can try to you know get yourself in that rich dad poor dad mindset. And one of the first ones is that you buy your luxuries after you have income from your assets. So that's where you'd use your cash flow from your assets to actually buy your luxuries. And that's something that the middle class we were talking about struggles with because they use their own personal income to buy these luxuries. And then another very controversial topic that I'd like to hear what you have to say is the art of paying yourself first. Mm, mm -hmm. And that's something that, you know, in America we're not used to. But I thought that was very interesting to read and I think it's honestly really difficult to do and I mean I'm not in a position where I really own my own business or mm-hmm. am an am, am employee but I think that's something that can be very powerful for yourself what, what do you think about that Mike yes
0: yeah, so that's interesting the way he talks about it in the book Um for me I've tried to do it but it, you get to a point I think what he talks about is like when you start doing this you realize Oh, crap, I don't have enough money you know mm-hmm. to cover the bills yeah. or whatever it is um, because you paid yourself first. And so I started doing it and for me, it just made me get on a budget. And even though I'm on we're on a stipend of what like 1300, 1400 bucks yeah. maybe, you know
1: and we get that each month. yeah, we get that. 1300 a month around.
0: We get that once a month. But yet because I'm on a budget and I know how much money I'm spending on groceries, on gas, That's gonna, I have assigned money to my utilities and to my rent. I still am able to save up, I've still been able to save up a good emergency savings account in the last couple months, even with that limited budget. But just because of like paying myself first and realizing that it's important to know where your money is going. Um, I'm reading this book, uh, The Psychology of Money, right now. Also, it's just a bonus book. You guys should really check it out. It's such a good book. But he talks about how. You can try to increase your income but that's a lot harder than just saving money which is a lot easier to accomplish than trying to get a promotion or you know, earn a lot more money that takes a lot more work versus saving money. It's just like, okay, I'm not going to go out to eat five days a week. I'm only going to go out to eat three or two days a week now. You know, what do you think, Naheem?
1: Yeah, that's actually interesting you say that about the book because I personally haven't read it. But that's something what they actually do in corporations a lot with um, different, you know, auditors and um, just accountants. They really look into what can we uh, limit your expenses. And that's like normally the number one way. It's not actually about how can you create more income, yeah. generally speaking. So that's really interesting you said that. Yeah, it's and, a great book. Yeah, so definitely definitely check out that book. Um, we'll, yeah, we'll add it in the show yeah, notes. yeah. And so something that another, another one was that you should choose your friends wisely. And this is kind of ties into, you know, you're the product of the five, five people you're most around. And, uh, another one is to choose to be wealthy every day. And that just ties into the mindset of, you know, this is something that I'm really going to go after. And you got to leave, uh. Live it, breathe it, you know, believe it. You know, you just gotta. It's a, it's a constant mindset. Like I, I firmly believe that I'm gonna be wealthy someday, and, and I, I. That doesn't mean that I need to have the nicest car or just, you know, look cool on Instagram and different stuff like that. I, I just truly want to be able to provide for my family and the people that are closest to me and just have, you know, an enjoyable life where I can spend with them. What's your thoughts?
0: Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Um. I mean, so going back to the psychology of money, I know we're talking about rich dad poor dad, but I just read the chapter it's so fresh on my mind. he goes, being rich is what you see, being wealthy is what you don't see. It goes back to the guy mm-hmm. in a Porsche or you know a Ferrari, okay, he's rich, right? He bought this really super expensive car, but is he wealthy? Mm-hmm. you know is yeah, he can afford that car payment at least for now, but Does he have an asset paying for it? Mm -hmm. Does he really need that? You know, does he still have enough money where he doesn't have to work? I think that's just so crucial, is just being able to do whatever you want. I mean, that's why we're doing this. Going back to what you said on like, I firmly believe it, I believe it too. Like, it's not a matter of if, it's just when, Mm -hmm. you know, at this point, and how committed are we to it? You know, if we're so committed that, you know, that you keep your expenses at $1,000 a month, which sounds outrageous, but it's possible, then you're gonna do this in one, two, three years, maybe. Um, and or if you wanna, you know, live a bit, a little bit more larger, if it's you know five grand a month, it might take you a little bit longer. But it's really just however you want it. So I think it's just a matter of if not when. It's just how committed are you to this?
1: Yeah, that that was awesome. I love that feedback right there. And so like the last two for rule number six is find the deep reason why you want to succeed. And he said question that's hard to answer and that, like, it it might not be pretty when you answer it. And um, that's something that, you know, you got to dig deep down in your soul and really, really want to know what your why is and, like, why do you want to succeed that bad? So what's your why, Naeem? I mean, we we, we talked about it on episode number one, so if you guys haven't already, definitely go (laughs) check it out. But long story short, my why is that I just want to be able to not only have freedom with my time, I believe, you know, the U.S. is stuck in the matrix and that people want to live or uh, work 40 hours plus a week and just, you know, be stuck in a constant cycle and retire when they're 65 and have their uh, 401k work for them. You know, and uh, but I rather create my own retirement at a younger age and be able to have more freedoms. So long story short, that's kind of kind of what I thought.
0: Yeah. And it's crazy just reading the psychology of money book. He, uh, he has 20 chapters really short, but he talks about this chapter freedom. Having a strong sense of controlling one's life is a more dependable predictor of positive feelings of well-being than any of the objective conditions of life we've considered. You know, cool. You have a car, you have, you know, a huge house, but if you have to slave away 80 hours a week to do that, Would you really want to do that or would you rather be able to say, I'm going to do what I want to do with who I want to do, where I want to do, whenever I want to, Mm -hmm. every single day? I think that's really true wealth.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I'm definitely going to have to check out this book now. Um, And then the last one, I think this honestly might be one of the most important, not only from a tax perspective, but it's also just – good morally. Just being a good human. Being a good human and it's to be being able to give person. back to others. Yeah, being a good and, person. Yeah. And it's it's all like like you just said, Mike, it's being a good person and knowing what you have and being grateful for what you have and know that other people aren't as fortunate as you. You know what I'm saying? And uh you know, we didn't grow up just super wealthy, but at the same time we didn't grow up just dirt poor and we want to be able to give back and be able to give to good causes and different things like that. So I mean, uh, now we can kind of talk about our personal takeaways of what we want to share.
0: Yeah, just before we get into that, I just wanted to add on to that, like giving back. It's just like, I think, you know, when people talk about financial freedom, they're like, well, why would I want to do that? What am I going to do? And I'm just thinking, think about if you had enough money where you didn't have to worry about, you know, working at a job. How many more people you could help, and how, what different causes you could take on, and you know, really assist. If you especially had yeah. ec- a lot of extra yes. money in your pocket, yes. think about the impact you could make. Yeah, you know, and um, I think that's just a great point that he puts in there. Is just got, got to give back. Um, and he talks about how his dad, who was like the quote unquote poor dad in the book, you know, would always say, oh, I'll give more. I'll give more to charity when I get a raise." Mm-hmm. Whereas his rich dad, quote unquote, would always consistently give back to charity. And then he also used it as a tax write off
1: because of course, yeah. but you know, and, yeah. and that just ties into being able to know the system and you're not being a bad person by just using it. You know, it's not only just for tax no, purposes. No, exactly. And but it's you're it's a double, it's, it's, like a, a, it's a, it's a win-win yeah. ultimately. And yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, we're just trying to be good citizens that can help other people. So now we're going to talk about our one personal takeaway that we want to share from Rich Dad Poor Dad and then we'll transition on.
0: Yeah, so my takeaway is really you've got to buy assets and not liabilities. Assets are things that put money into your pocket while liabilities are things that take money out of your pocket. That's why we're so big into real estate because the cash flow that we're able to accumulate from it is putting money into our pocket every month without us having to do anything.
1: Yeah, that's a great takeaway, and mine is be broke and not poor, and there's two big distinctions between it. He actually talks about it in it, and Dave Chappelle, I I love Dave Chappelle, Mm -hmm. Um, he he, uh, has a show on Netflix where he talks about this, and basically, Dave Chappelle's father uh, told him being broke is temporary, and being poor is a mentality, and uh, I think in the African American society, we need to work on this. It's something that, uh, you know, we... Like there's been people that have been uh, just unfortunate, had different circumstances that just haven't been as you know equality and different things like that. Long story short, but uh, you know if we can if we can realize this and just be able to uh, have this mentality of rich dad poor dad, you know this can really uplift a lot of people. So now we're gonna transition on and we're gonna have you talk Mike about your two favorite books and you're gonna start off with your mindset book.
0: Yeah. Um, kind of mindset, but kind of also related to rich dad, poor dad. So basically, it's called Set for Life by Scott Trench. He's the CEO of Bigger Pockets, the uh, website I mentioned earlier, all about real estate investing. Um, so rich dad, poor dad is the theory that you know talks about financial freedom, real estate investing, and just investing in general, and all this. But Set for Life gives you a tactical, step-by-step process for those just out of college to achieve financial freedom in 10 years or less. Really great, um, just actionable steps that you anybody can take. Um, so, Rich sort Dad, out the theory, and Set for Life are the instructions. Um, and the key takeaways are basically just you've got to be frugal and save more money. Um, you know, getting into house hacking, and then putting your money in investments as early as possible. Um, whether it's in the stock market, if you just chip away a little bit now, like two grand, maybe a year, even that's not that much. If you do that from your twenties. From your time you're 20 to 30, by the time you're 65, you'll have had you'll have more money just from compounding than if you had done that starting at 30, all the way to 65, just because of the compound that you get from that. So, and he talks about he's like, listen, you're not going to pick the winning stocks. You're not Warren Buffett. You know, we're not. I mean, he just says, look, the market, and he shows the market has consistently gone up over time. Just invest in an index fund. Um, there are different ones out there I've got to do some more research on them before I put my money into them but that's something that I'm going to do um, that limit the rates that have pretty low rates but also get get great returns that just match the market and you're not going to lose money doing that so and if you do you just keep putting more money in then when you do go down
1: yeah that that sounds like a really interesting book I myself I haven't read the book yet but mm. I mean I'm always always looking for different ways to learn and so I definitely would like to reading, reading about it, but all right. So now, now we're going to transition into my first mindset book. And this was kind of a tough one. I was trying to, uh, pick between grit by Angela Duckworth or Chopwood carry water by Joshua Medcalf. And I ended up choosing Chopwood carry water, but I don't know if you remember this, Mike, but, uh, Angela and, Duckworth, Angela Duckworth yeah, actually remember. talked to us over zoom. This was during COVID and she talked to our team about her book and just kind of her different experiences so, and so that really inspired me to read her book i listened to it on audio when i was riding my mm-hmm. bike to and from school but it was uh definitely really really empowerful uh empowering book and i really urge everybody to go check that one out but for today i'm going to talk about Chopwood carry water um yeah i just i just definitely retained more of the information since i actually read the book and shout out to tj mcmahon for giving me the book. Um, he, uh, it only took me two days because it's a really short read. It's 120 pages and really it's it's really anybody can read this book. It's honestly fantastic and it's super easy to under, understand it. It kind of gives you that kick in the butt if, if you've just been holding back on yourself you know and the plot it kind of fo- follows this kid named John and is his lifelong goal is to become a Samurai warrior. And it teaches you why achieving mastery isn't a piece of cake and it often requires hard work with patience as well as how to build routines that can help you progress. And so some of the takeaways is that you need to fall in love with the process and uh, they often quote that you need to learn how to chop wood and carry water. And this is kind of ties into that Joel Embiid, you know, trust the process type deal, but it's ultimately what are you trying to achieve, and so, for example, it could be somebody that has a sales job and they're trying to make 50, uh, 50 cold calls a day. This is something that's not sexy, it's not fun, but you have to do it repeatedly every every day. You know that 10,000 hour rule if you want to become a master. Um, and then, and then it asks, it, then it talks about can you become great without doing it, and it says, hell no, you can't. You have to. Everyone. And there's a great quote, great quote from it. And it says, "Everyone wants to be great until it's time to do what greatness requires." What do you think about that, Mike?
0: That that's so that's such a good quote. And you know, I was I was working out in the gym yesterday doing doing a leg workout. You know, not the sexy workout. You know, it sucks. <laughs> and I'm um, going to do these like split squats, and I'm just thinking, "Gosh, I really, I mean, I know I could skip these. I'm feeling kind of tired, but..." you know I heard this quote and it just makes me think of that is you never regret doing it until, you never regret doing it once it's done and Mm -hmm. the hardest part is just starting and I think that's really what it is. You know you've got to be willing to put in the hard work.
1: Yeah that's awesome and then so one of the second takeaways is don't let discouragement get to you. It it talks about like the little voice in the back of your head and it normally comes with the form of negative self-talk and how to get over and uh, overcome that and so This is often referred to as imposter syndrome, and you just got to be able to be aware of things that you could be doing. It's like the things that you need to look out for is what you watch, what you read, what you listen to, who you surround yourself with, how you talk to yourself, and what you visualize. So, these are all important aspects that you really need to watch out, watch what you do because these can negatively affect you.
0: That's, that's spot on. And playing football, I kind of learned the importance of visualization and how you think and everything. It's like, it's like in movies when, you know, they're on the edge of a cliff or something or walking across, you know, a gorge or something and somebody says, don't look down. What happens? (laughs) They look look down. down. (laughs) So it's like, if I'm thinking in the football game, don't throw an interception, guess what? I'm going to throw an interception. You've got to think positively. Think you've got to see yourself succeeding in, football game or in life or in the investment. If you see that, then you're more likely to do the things that are going to get you there.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And one of the things that it talks about is to instill optimism and hope in your life by remembering past achievements. So, you know, when you when you've done something over and over again, you know, like just look back on those and know that you can continue to do them, you know what I'm saying? So, and then some of the other takeaways is that you can uh, don't compare yourself to others because this will lead to disaster focus on your own mission And this is something that we struggle on in our society, especially with like social media We always see what other people have. It's like chasing the Joneses or whatever focus on your own mission long story short, short. and you know, it's it's all about your path to success and um, At the end of the day, it's it's what what legacy are you gonna leave behind for for yourself your children people? generations to come
0: yeah and i I hate the social media environment because you know that's only highlights it's all the good stuff but you know life's not all rainbow sunshine and rainbows um, and I kind of got off social media a lot more recently you know I'll go on there just to post our podcast and stuff mm-hmm. and a- answer questions but I don't really look at it and I know you aren't involved in it at yeah. all um so and you never were were you
1: uh I only have I use Twitter honestly for just getting recruited in football, like when, especially when I was in high school and junior college. But honestly, I didn't really post a whole lot.
0: Yeah, and that's a whole lot different than you know pictures on Instagram and stuff. I just think it's you know you're only seeing positive things, and you know life's not always going to be positive, so I, it's just not realistic.
1: But. This 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 is the last one I'll talk about because we've been kind of going at it for a minute, but it's build your life. Like you would build your last home, and this is in the beginning of the book, and it's such a great uh, reference. And so, long long story short, is that there's there's this worker. He's been he's a like a house builder, and he was like
0: crushing it. Yeah, he's
1: crushing it. He's been he's been working for years on end for this guy. He's been building building houses, and he's like, I'm going to retire, and uh, the boss is like. I need you to build one more house. And the guy was like, I don't want to do it, but I guess I'll do it. And he ends up doing the house, but he's like cutting corners while he's doing it. When he finishes the house, the boss hands him the keys and said, here you go. This is your own house. And he had that feeling of like regret and all all because he cut corners while making this house and he didn't make it perfect. And like that, that's just something that I think is such a crazy like metaphor and just like I I think it's such a good quote.
0: No, we've all been in that situation, right? Just like crap. I messed up. Um, So, yeah, definitely do it right the first time. I love that. So uh, going back to my other mindset book, um, wanted to throw it in there. I've talked about this book before on the podcast. It's uh, The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F by Mark Manson. Um, I really love this book because – the biggest concept in there that speaks to me is just taking a hundred percent responsibility for your life. Something we've talked about in here before too. And you know, it's not doesn't matter whose fault it is. What are you going to do about it? You know, uh, there's a story of this Amer- this um, this guy in like the eighteen hundreds or nineteen early nineteen hundreds, who was really like a, he really struggled. He, his dad was able to use connections to get him into Harvard Medical School, even though he had no interest in being there. And didn't want to be there and like really struggled like health wise and different things. Just a crazy story. Um, you know, his dad was like, you're such a failure. All these different things. Basically his his dad said he was a failure and because of his health conditions, he was struggled to do a lot in life. Um, but then he finally said, you know what, if in a year this doesn't work out, I'm going to commit suicide. But before that time, I'm going to take responsibility for everything in my life and see what happens and he became like this super famous psychologist that's now like the backbone of American psychology research so it's that's such a cool story to me that's been something that I've been implementing in my life that's been helpful um the other thing I love is like the first chapter he just talks about how the desire for a more positive experience is itself a negative experience and paradoxically The acceptance of one's negative experience is itself a positive experience. This is kind of like, oh, man, that guy has a sweet car or a bigger house. I wish I had that. I mean, just like, you know, if we're doing that when we're financially free, shame on us. You know, I think that's just such a cool concept. And, you you know, you can embrace when times suck. You can say, yeah, this kind of sucks. But, okay, what am I going to do about it? Or, And just instead of wanting for more, just being happy where you're at. And overall, it just forced me to ask questions that I hadn't thought about before that really put things in perspective. Um, And the last concept that I want to talk about that we've talked about before in other books is just how failure is the way forward. You know, he says we can be truly successful only at something we're willing to fail at. Improvement doesn't come overnight. It comes through tiny thousands of failures over and over and over again until you learn how to do things the right way. And suffering is not necessarily to be avoided. You know, as they say in the gym, no pain, no gain. Um, you know, we know it in football. You make a mistake. Okay, you learn. Now you, you know you're not going to do that again. Um, and that, you know, that, you can apply that to anything. Um, and I love how he says, typically our most radical changes in perspective only happen after our worst moments. So failure is not necessarily something to be avoided. Like, sure, catastrophic failures, absolutely. But you can't be afraid to fail. You know, you got to learn that way. And the last thing is just with failure, the only way to take, to, you know, to keep getting over that feel of fear of failure is just taking action and just being consistent with that. And if you consistently take action, for me, that means looking at real estate deals every day. And then I'm writing this big capstone paper in grad school and I just try and write a page a day. And slowly but surely, that's stacking up and stacking up. If you're a new investor, it might mean doing the numbers on three to five deals per day for 30, 60, 90 days. And by the end of that time, you're going to be able to look at a deal and say, that's a good deal, that's a bad deal, and snapping your fingers without hesitation. So I think that's just so cool.
1: Yeah, that's some incredible knowledge that you just drop right there. And I think that the aspect of failure is something that – Like nobody should be scared to fail like you just know that you're going to be able to learn from that failure because school has just told us non-stop that failure is bad and that's just something that for kids that's just not good because when you're trying to be an entrepreneur you're going to fail all the time and that's something that you just got to be able to overcome and just, you're, 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 you you're gotta go ball to the wall with, with everything you do. and So I think that's just something that's incredibly important. I remember you also shared that uh, story about how that guy overcame a lot. And I yeah. thought that was really powerful. So now we're just gonna transition into the last book. And transitioning into the last book, uh, it's my favorite real estate book. And it's the second book that I actually read after Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And it's the book on rental property investing by Brandon Turner. We're really big fans of bigger pockets, and that's kind of how we got gained a lot of our knowledge from real estate. And um, so, just something that kind of want to bring up a story of how I got into real estate. I'm getting a Uber ride to the airport just from, from some random lady, and I'm going back to Iowa. I'm just, you know, football season, I think, is done. And uh, the lady's driving me, and she's re- listening to some radio show. And I asked her, who is this? And her answer was bigger pockets. And so I honestly have to give her a shout out because she's the one that put me on to real estate investing. And uh, you know, uh, she kind of sp- sparked my interest into it. And I'm not gonna talk a lot about the book because we've honestly talked a lot about it before. But the, the, some of the takeaways is just how to determine a good deal, buying your first rental property, why cash flow is important, finding the right tenants, as well as common mistakes to avoid. And so um, also like strategies are shared for finding deals and financing, uh, different financing options that you can use when you're trying to buy and hold real estate. And uh, so just, just to add to that is that real estate is not a get rich quick scheme. It can be if you're trying to be like a a fix and flipper but to me that's not true building. wealth building because you're gonna get capital gains taxed on that stuff and you can't use 1031 tax exchanges and on it's that. not an
0: asset because yeah. as soon as you sell it it's gone yeah
1: it's it's not asset and like you said so i think there's a very uh, important distinction that people realize and yeah i'd love to talk with you know fix and flippers just to see what it's like yep. but uh so and then it just kind of talk, talks about like what types Type of investors that will benefit, and I, I think that uh, it will benefit anybody that is really new, just a newbie, because it gives you base knowledge over. It. And then I think any seasoned investor will pick up some piece of information that's good. So, you got any thoughts on that, real quick, Mike?
0: Yeah, no, that's it's it's a good book and just a good way to start out. Um, one more takeaway from Set for Life is just. He talks about how if you want to achieve financial freedom, you've got to cut down on your spending and live frugally. So, And he shows this pie chart of the average American spending and expenses. And their big, biggest expenses are transportation and housing. And this just comes down to how bad do you want it? Do you want to retire in five to 10 years or do you want to work for the rest of your life? Um, us, I know we want to retire as soon as possible. So we're willing to live in not necessarily the nicest place ever, but if we're house hacking and it's giving us money, then we're going to do it. And now we cut out the biggest expense in our every month for us. The other one is transportation. And he talks about living close enough to where you work or for a lot of people, they don't have to worry about this now because they work from home, but living close enough to where you work, where you work that you can bike there and you spend minimal money on gas because you're biking every day. And you know, you're saving money on gas and also you're biking two days at, twice a day, you're gonna get a lot of exercise, and this guy lives in Denver, and he's willing to do it every day in the winter. You know, I've read about the winter biking, and it's possible, it's just really comes down to how bad do you want it? Um, There's also another way to make income with your car is putting your car on Turo, it's Airbnb for cars. So, or if you have an extra car and you do that, and then you can offset the gas, gas cost, that's a good way to do it too. So there's a lot of different ways, but I love that concept, and then the other thing from that book is how in Set for Life, he says that most people buy the biggest house possible that they can barely afford. They're stretching themselves to afford that mortgage when really that's like, that's putting them in such a difficult situation for the rest of your life. Now you're behind on this mortgage with a super expensive asset that's really just not an asset because it's taking money out of your pocket,
1: so. Yeah, and that's kind of tying into the American dream that it's a facade that you want to try to buy the biggest house possible. And that that's really just going to set you back because then you have to try to get, get promotions from your jobs. And that's lifestyle creep, 101 yeah. right there. So. Yeah.
0: yeah, absolutely. And then another thing for financial freedom, um, I've heard this on a podcast, and they talk about getting properties that cash flow to pay for bills. And you know, if you get a property, if it's a long-term rental that pays 200 bucks a month, there goes your utility bills. If you get one uh, Airbnb that pays like three grand a month, okay, now there goes another bill. And you keep stacking those up. All of a sudden, you're going to get to that point where I don't have any bills left to pay, and now it's just extra income. And then you're going to be financially free. So, Mike, do you have any last thoughts or anything you want to add? Uh, just getting into this Rich Dad Poor Dad book, it really opened my eyes to everything highly suggest you guys read it and you know the the knowledge, the i'm trying to learn all the time i think we've both embraced that you know we're constantly reading books constantly learning about this stuff um so that's one thing i took away
1: yeah i just i think that people just need to understand that knowledge you can never have too much knowledge and at the end of the day This is always going to be a learning experience. You can learn from anyone, any book, any just anything out there. So just make sure that you guys always stay curious and just embrace learning. And uh, just going forward, we plan on doing this again. And some of the books that we might review, review in the future will be the book on house hacking, the ABCs of real estate investing, book on real estate with low and no money down, the one thing, the Compound Effect, and Millionaire fast lane. Thanks for tuning in to the Greenlight Real Estate Podcast. If you've enjoyed the show, please be sure to share this podcast with a friend or leave us a rating and review. This helps to make our podcast better. For now, we'll see you next time on the Greenlight Real Estate Podcast, the go-getter's guide to real estate investing and financial freedom.